Welcome to the current backloggers. Um, I'll be honest with you, this is incredibly awkward. And I have a newfound appreciation for Casey. Um, I just I didn't, had no idea how to start this. I was considering stealing his entire format and going that route, but I uh, honestly feel it was very disingenuous and uh, really cringy. So I decided just to, to hop in here. Um, I have a lot of a lot of experience listening to Bill Burr, so so maybe some of that solo podcasting will wear off on me. Um, I was considering going back and listening to the older episodes and trying to figure out exactly how he he lines this up here. Um, but essentially, I think I'm going to go my own route here and maybe maybe start out with uh, what we were watching is. What would we have watched this week? Which is how I think I think Casey starts it that way. Um, but uh, one of the big things I watched this week was the VR showcase. I was a little late to it. And I think Casey was as well. But uh, honestly, I don't, I don't think there was a lot of a lot of people watching this. The channel, which is I guess kind of the seen as the hub hub for VR, is it. I think 47,000 subs last time I checked, which is insane to think that that's considered the 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 top channel or the the main place for 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 VR. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest thing in the world either. I wasn't a big fan of the accents and um I know initially it started out the music they were playing reminded me of uh, SpongeBob, uh, <laughs> SpongeBob music or the DVD menus. Um, I guess I'll just go down the line of games they announced. Doing that, um, so it looks like Solaris was the first game they announced, which I don't know, just looked like your normal FPS or your 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 Halo. I wasn't too keen on it. It looks like some stuff we've seen for like the last twenty years. Um. It was a, a sneaky, almost like a sneaky combat game. Um, one of the big things that stood out to me was no PSVR, which I don't understand how you how you could release a VR game and not have it on one of the biggest platforms for VR games. Uh, the next game they announced was uh, Onward, which looked like uh, Arma, you know, in VR, and I think even the guy that had made the game. That uh, was a single guy. It even mentioned that he based it a lot off of Arma. It, it is on Oculus Home and Steam VR and uh, and Quest. Once again, no PSVR. I don't know if that has to do with the the power of the of the PSVR. If it's not strong enough to run these games, or what the issue is, but it would make sense that you would want these games on on your PSVR. Um, but then the next game they announced was uh, Wraith of Oblivion Afterlife, um, which is it's another horror VR game, which I think is perfect for for VR. I think that that environment, at least for me, anyways, I already hate scary VR games or uh, scary games in general. Being in control of somebody and the character that's powerless and being chased by someone, especially, and then you take that same concept and putting it in VR would be is uh, absolutely horrifying for me. Um, which it looks like it's a uh, part of the Vampire the Masquerade, um, which in which I guess were big in the '90s, which is why when they started announcing all this stuff in this this series, I'd never heard of them. 
Um, it looks like it was a tabletop. They had PC games. I think even at one point they had a TV show, Wikipedia said. Um, and it looks like you're playing as a ghost, which uh, it doesn't make much sense to me. I don't. I guess it's kind of cool in the me mechanic sense of things, but you're a ghost. How could you, you know, you can't die. How are you expecting to be, you know, scared if, uh, you know, I'm a ghost? Um, then the next game they announced was uh, you have your Phantom Covert Ops, which is possibly the most generic name I've ever heard for a video game. Sounds like a mid-2006 uh, budget title for the 360. Um, and But I do like the Soviet vibes it was giving off. But if you go watch the trailer, it seems like you're in a boat. You're constantly in a boat, which is a cool aspect because I think a big issue for VR is the walking mechanics. But if you put the character in a boat, this is a little kayak. I think it kind of defeats a lot of the, um, or gets rid of a lot of the issues of, it almost seems like walking in VR games are almost difficult to make or it takes the player out of it. So I think putting it on a boat was, made sense. It's just really odd. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think the next game they announced then was uh, Star Shaman. Uh, which, I don't know. The one of the things I didn't get, I did not like about this was it seems that the developer was more focused on themselves than the game. If you go and watch their announcement for this thing, it's like a lot of hipsters in their office. Um, it's almost like fake business meetings, like standing behind each other, pointing at the screen and talking. Um, and I didn't like it. And I think at one point, too, the one lady, the PR lady, mispronounces the, the name of the game. I think she calls it Star Shalman. Uh, once again, no PSVR and their awkward B-roll, totally. I, I have no plans of playing this game. Now, the next game was uh, Walking Dead Sin and Sinners, a VR meat grinder update, um, which I did not know. I heard this game was released. I didn't know it was a purely VR game, which kind of makes sense because I feel like it died on the vine, but the fact that it's a VR game is why I didn't hear any more about it. Uh, it's a Sky, Skydance Interactive, which I've known them for making movies, but I didn't know they were making video games. It seems to be the only their second game. Um, I think their first game was like a, a big robots battling game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I like it, but I, I didn't even... I didn't see any guns, which is kind of odd for a Walking Dead game. It looked like bow and arrows and spears. And there was these point bubbles that popped up that were, you know, telling you, like, oh, you got 200 points or something like that. But it was blocking the player's view. Like, you couldn't see more zombies coming at you because it was telling you how many points you got. And I feel like the point system was kind of taking me out of that, that eerie, weird, weird, scary environment because it's just like, this pop-up, um, and I think it played some music. It just seemed like a an odd odd thing that if I had the game, I'd hope that you, some way you could turn that off. Um, but it did seem reminiscent of um, uh, this the old uh, arcade games with Sega, House of the Dead. 
the way it looked and felt and uh and it's the walking dead universe so if i had a vr system that could run it that's definitely one i would like to pick up um super and crazy crazy gory i was looking at even the game just not the dlc just the game in general uh, looked amazing just bashing heads in and just way over the top um so looks like uh the first game was called archangel which just kind of looked like uh big ass robots fighting each other so and then i think the next one would have been traffic jams which is uh looked pretty cool and it actually was working on everything including mobile devices well, it worked on all the VR devices, and then people could join in on their mobile devices. And essentially what it was, you were directing traffic in VR, but then there's, like, you know, monsters and zombies added in there. And uh, it just seemed like a good a good party game. I think an issue with VR, especially if you're playing at a party or, you know, with people in real life, they're kind of removed from that, and it's just you. But I think with them including the cell phone, aspect of it is a way to to be able to play to play VR with a group of people over the next game uh, I can't even pronounce this man uh, Opercenia I think it was it's like a dungeon crawler um, it looked like a like a classic like you look up some of the old footage of or who knows you might even played him of the Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls games, um, this kind of the vibe was given off to me. I think that's coming out on everything, even PSVR, which is it's kind of weird to have to say that. Uh, the next game they announced was the one that probably stuck out the most to me, and if I had a VR unit, because this is not coming to PSVR, but if I had a VR unit, that uh, this is definitely something to pick up. It's called. Uh, area man lives essentially you're a radio show host i recommend to go watch the trailer there's no way i could describe this and you're just a disc jockey sitting there running the phone lines and talking to people and it looks like it's going to be um almost like a mystery and maybe people call in you could help them through stuff or i don't know we'll see um I don't, and then I think the next one was, uh, it's like Ion Neon Ninjas. It's like a Neon Ninjas shooting, shooting game. I mean, it's got the neon look to it. Shit blowing up. I don't think you need me to describe that anymore. Uh, once again, no PSVR though. Uh, I don't know if people are waiting for the PSVR 2 to be announced or what's happening, why it's so much lacking towards the support of it. And let's see here. I'm trying to go through this list here. I'm not trying to go down every game, but just stuff that stuck out to me. Um, and then uh, Ghost Portal VR. That's probably my number two um, games. Like, uh, if I had to rank these games, number one would be Area Man Lives, and then number two for me is Ghost Portal VR. It kind of looked like a complete knockoff of uh, Luigi's Mansion, but 
that's fine for me. I think that's a perfect example. And this is the only game that I saw in there that's exclusive to VR arcades. So it's a place that you have to actually drive to and, you know, put on the packs, which is, I think, the perfect way to play VR right now. So I don't know if that's going to be in, like, AMC's thing or there's specific VR arcades around the United States you have to go to. But that's the only arcade game that I saw announced. Um, but I think VR arcades are definitely the future. And if you think of the history of overall video games when they first came out, the place to play video games was the arcades. Uh, at least if you wanted to play them in any sort of, you know, power, I hate to say powerful, but uh, the hardware. Like, you couldn't afford afford the hardware. And the, you know the fact having individual arcades in your home was impossible, which is kind of how VR is currently in the, in its, in its life cycle. So I think arcades right now is probably the best way to play VR. And I hope that more games get announced, you know, exclusively to the arcades because it almost seems like the home, your the home environment is, is almost limits the VR especially the walking aspect with the uh, VR at your house, like you can't walk around, but with the VR arcades, you actually walk around and there's places to, to you know, like physical things in real life that you can uh, interact with that you couldn't get at home. Um, the number three for me then would probably be, I think it's called In Deaths Unchained. And essentially it's like a medieval Templar kind of vibe mixed with Doom. They're doing a remaster for the Oculus Quest. I guess this is a game that was already out. And uh, it's, it looks like it's on PSVR, so that's probably how I'll eventually play it. And it's almost like a Dark Souls. I heard people referring to the Dark Souls for VR. And it just looked awesome. The, the shooting mechanics and the way they've dealt with traversing the map felt perfect for the VR. And it's kind of it's kind of weird to me that you see such. I think that's the that's the end of the. I think yeah, that's how they ended the, the press conference. It's kind of weird to me. That you have all this investment into VR, but then the the biggest environment for VR, which is your PSVR, has no support. So I'm a little unsure where the money's coming for these games because if no one's buying them, who's supporting them? And how does a company survive off just selling a few thousand copies and I, I hope VR takes off with the quest and PSVR 2 and arcades and all that stuff but I'm, I'm kind of afraid that we could be seeing like you know in the early stages of VR dying out all right so then uh, so that's that's that press conference um, and then I think current backloggers <laughs> along the way at least for me anyways has kind of lost its meaning because uh, the way I had initially felt the show was going to go was uh, Casey and I, especially myself, have a lot of media. Like you see your DVDs and your TV shows, movies, and video games on our backlog that we're supposed to get through. That's the purpose of current backloggers for us each week to, to play some of these games or watch some of these movies so we can talk about them. But essentially it feels like I, I'm buying more than what I'm watching or playing and it's definitely something I've got to slow down and be better about and 
actually start getting through this stuff. So this week I, I kind of I've I've done that. Um, I watched uh, Roseanne. I've gotten through about a season this week of Roseanne. Just rewatching that whole thing, just trying to get through that box set and then move on to the next TV show. Then, of course, we you know each week we watch. Uh, Casey and I watch uh, episodes of Lost. Um, two great shows. Roseanne's far superior show, though, of course. Um, and then a movie I watched. I have a lot of terrible, I guess you'd call it maybe B horror. I'd even say it's like Z horror. It's just absolutely horrendous. Um, I have a massive collection of that stuff that just corny that I'm trying to get through. Uh, this week I watched uh, City of the Living Dead. Uh, Lucio Fauci, I think so how you say his name. He's an incredibly famous director of Italian horror films. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I'm more of a physical media guy, so I have it on DVD. But so if you want to check it out, it's on Amazon Prime. It's got an amazing soundtrack, which is usually my favorite favorite part of this. Um, it's by a gentleman named Fabio Frizzi. That's a super Italian name. But he's famous for his horror soundtracks. I think between the soundtrack and the cinematography, it's uh, it's amazing. It's almost like a hour and a half <laughs> long music video for me, anyways. Um, it's a heavy in synths and really strung out electric guitars, almost like a Pink Floyd. Um, if you like a good synth soundtrack, like your Carpenter or something like that, I definitely recommend checking it out. And the practical effects were also amazing. Between Fog and Neon and Corvettes, it was incredibly 80s. And I think it came out and it was filmed in 1979 and released in 1980. So this is definitely ahead of its time. Um, my biggest issue with it, which uh, probably would come on the editing floor, because the cutting floor, sorry. Um, it's just confusing. It's just a confusing ass story. I don't. I don't know how else to describe it to you. It jumps around constantly to random characters, and it makes it makes you feel like I should know these people. I'm constantly rewinding, like, wait, wait, did they introduce this guy before? Uh, so between that and the terrible acting and writing, it's uh, it's definitely an '80s movie. Um, and essentially, it's just about a priest that <laughs> committed suicide, and by committing suicide, he opened up a, a portal to hell. This is part of a, a trilogy. This is the first one in the trilogy. Um, but there's a scene, which I would love to figure out how they filmed this, where they filled an entire room with maggots. And had it almost looks like they individually glued maybe mealworms or something like that on the actors. And uh, then the guy gets a drill press through the head. So if you like practical effects and fog and neon Corvettes and since i strongly recommend you watch this um do not watch it thinking you're gonna be watching a horror movie um let's see i watched another documentary it's fantastic it's called uh, beauty is embarrassing it's about a gentleman named wayne white uh he was the mind behind uh peewee herman's uh playhouse peewee's playhouse and beekman's world um, he's famous for puppets and set designs. And if you look at some of the stuff he's worked on, he's done a bunch of kids' shows. 
and they're almost very stylized the same. Um, he almost, I don't want to say midlife crisis, or he went a little nutty and left the Hollywood world, but it almost seems like he removed himself from Hollywood, and I don't, I guess I just really fell in love with him just because of his, he has a super libertarian views on life, and he's married to Mimi Pond, which is also, she's also a successful artist, and had worked on The Simpsons and releases some successful books. So it's about them as artists trying to find their way in life and juggle life and um, him trying to figure out if he wants to remove himself from society almost and go out to the wilderness with uh, his high school friend. Um, so I think that one's also on Amazon Prime, so I definitely recommend checking that one out. Um, then we'll move on to what we've been playing. Uh, well, I guess more what I've been playing since Casey's recording his own thing this week. Uh, we played Anthem, which I'm still trying to figure out, understand how that game had gotten so much shit. Because so far, I don't, I don't know if maybe it's I'm playing such a later version of it and the issues have been patched out. But it, I mean, it has amazing cutscenes, beautiful cutscenes. Um, Essentially, it's knights mixed with sci-fi. So it kind of goes back to that Templar vibe. These massive beasts crashing into a wall and robots fighting. I just don't get how you couldn't like it. I could see where the maybe the missions get a little repetitive. It's kind of the same shit over and over again. Like, go collect this, go shoot this. But the story seems great so far, and I'm really liking it. It almost reminds me of, uh, story-wise, of the first Witcher. Uh, another game I've been playing with Casey is uh, Sunset Overdrive. I'm about halfway through with some side missions still still left, um, which I think that puts me at about maybe eight hours or so in in the game. Uh, it's an amazing game. I think Sunset Overdrive was the Crackdown that we wanted and had done a much better job than Crackdown Three did. Um, something that really I disliked with Crackdown was when you're climbing up something and you fall off and you have to start from the beginning. But this game had fixed that by when you fall, you fall through this warp zone and you pop back out maybe about halfway up the, the tower instead of starting all the way from the beginning. Um, just uh, quality of life things that Crackdown, I think, failed. And this game that came out before Crackdown 3 had succeeded at. It's... Almost Crackdown mixed with Dead Rising, which are both two amazing Xbox exclusives. And just how the game doesn't take itself serious. Uh, Casey's mentioned that a bunch. How the, you know, one of the quotes is like, this guy's trying to explain to you why he needs this item. And then halfway through this long explanation, this stereotypical video game explanation, he's just like, you know, science and blah, 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 bullshit, which is an, an exact quote from him. Um,. Something else, too, that I think more, I wish more games would do is at any point, for any reason you want to, you can change your character. So if you want to just switch to a girl out of nowhere, or switch to a smaller guy or bigger guy, you can do that. Or, you know, collect costume pieces, like if you want to be a superhero or a samurai, which I kind of keep going back and forth in the, in the campaign right now. Um, even just the small stuff, like uh, when you gain health in the game, 
it there's a a noise that it makes it almost sounds like a retro video game you know gaining health and just little things they've done in it if i had any complaints about the game um it is a little repetitive you're kind of doing the same shit over and over again and there's been a couple times where i'll save the game at weird times and almost think i like man i have to restart this or do this over again because it I thought I broke the game because like an objective wasn't popping or, um, you know, issues. And I've I read online that I wasn't the only person that if you save at a weird time or do some weird shit, it'll break the game. But those are pretty minor for me as well. So I've really been, in, been enjoying it. And something else too, I think games, especially Ubisoft games where they have a lot of collectibles, but very few reasons to collect the collectibles other than achievements. But there's a character in this game called Floyd where to do his missions, you have to have a certain number of the collectibles. And you can buy maps and stuff that show you exactly where the collectibles is. So it's not, it's not too crazy to you know go around and collect this stuff. Um, which is just fun. Which, I mean, ultimately that's what video games are for is to be fun. It's not supposed to be aggravating. Um, I think, uh, this week I had a little bit more pickups, but I haven't organized them yet. So, but those hopefully should slow down. Like I said, this podcast is supposed to be getting through the backlog, not acquiring even bigger backlog. So, but, uh, this week I'll have a few pickups and then maybe next week, but, uh, pickup was probably the biggest ones from one of our friends uh i bought a halo console it's in boxed i had the console just not the box nor the controller so i'm happy to happy to get that and then of course i got the sacred symbols ps vita and ps4 version of their game so hopefully get to play that soon and um give you some more information on that and so besides that i think only thing left, I'm trying to remember the formula of the show here, is news, which uh, is pretty big this week. We've had some big stuff. News-wise, especially for Xbox, has been pretty slow up until this point. But um, probably the big first thing that popped out was, for Microsoft anyways, I think there's four stories here, five stories, and three of them are Xbox-related. But the first one is... Uh, I guess almost all of these two are restructuring. It's almost like Xbox is cutting, trimming some fat right before this. That way that their stocks will drop when they trim this fat. But then I think when they announce the new consoles, the stocks will go up. So I think it's the purpose of them making all these announcements. Because, I mean, on the outside, it looks a little scary. You're like, man, is Microsoft having problems? But I think that they'll see a boost once these consoles are announced. announced. So I think they are trimming the fat just so that when they're like, hey, this is what the consoles cost, they can get a little boost on those uh, on those stocks. But the first first uh, trimming of the fat here is Microsoft shutting down Mixer and partnering with Facebook Gaming. Um, and it's quoted as saying, it's a, a move that we'll, we'll see Microsoft integrate xCloud into Facebook Gaming, uh, which is kind of, I didn't expect that coming. I remember going out at PAX and knowing like, Mixer had its section and Facebook Gaming had its section. It's weird to think back that at one point they'll they'll team up. But I just don't think there is any chance of beating 
beating Twitch. Twitch is such a powerhouse now, especially with Amazon behind it. I don't even think Microsoft could take them down. I think they knew that as well. But that kind of puts down a an interesting perspective on those uh, bigger streamers. The only one I could think of is Ninja. But I know Mixer had poached three or four different uh, Twitch streamers. But now they're free to stream wherever they want to. Their contracts are, I guess, canceled. So... I guess we'll just go back to Twitch, you know. I know Ninja had said some pretty crazy shit about Twitch when he left. But uh, I'm sure they'll welcome back with open arms with a little, you know, I told you so. Um, so, I just don't know. It's kind of crazy that Xbox or Microsoft killed something this quick. They usually let shit hang on the vine for a little too long, so it's surprising that they did that. Now, the next biggest news is something that was just announced, like, I don't know, 8 o'clock this morning, is that Microsoft is shutting down all of their physical stores. Um, I mean, minus a few. I guess there's four of them. you got London, New York, Sydney, and Redmond. And Redmond, I believe, is where their headquarters is. So it seems like the stores they've left open have been almost stores, you know, that are more advertisement than making a profit because I'm sure the rent is higher than what they make there it's just you know they want their name in those big cities and it's probably cheaper than running an actual advertising campaign in like you know Times Square or something like that just to have your store there um, one of the driving I know I mentioned this a lot but I love physical media media so this this quote stuck out to me about um, they said that software and hardware sales are um, going online, and that was the main driving driving point about closing their stores was the fact that no one buys, no one buys, um, you know, physical hardware or software anymore, and that a lot of stuff is just is going the way of the internet or, you know, just purely downloading, which is sad for me because you know I'm the type of guy that likes to put shit on shelves and collect unnecessary packaging and stuff like that um but yeah once again that they did see a drop in stocks again but i think they planned this to happen right before the consoles just so they can announce the consoles in their july press conference and they could see a boost back up so i i could even expect maybe some more trimming of the fat just so that they can the stocks won't get hurt too much by by these uh, closings. They also said that they're not firing everybody, anybody. They are given they're going to be given new positions at Microsoft, which on the surface it seems like a really good thing. But you hear sometimes these companies won't directly lay people off or fire people when they close a place. I know a few movie theater chains work this way, um, and that way they do not have to pay um, unemployment for these people and it kind of helps save face you know a little bit but uh, I don't expect a lot of these people to st stick around I'm not sure what they'd be needed for uh, let's see I mean essentially these things were supposed to be Apple stores but I know here in Columbus we have an Apple store and we have a Microsoft store if you go to the Microsoft store there might be three people 
but the Apple store always seemed to be full of people and a huge commotion. And it's a much, much larger store and a lot more products to offer. And I think it was dead, just dead on arrival. It was actually uh, pretty funny. This was our first YouTube video was when the Microsoft store opened here in Columbus. And that was probably the busiest I've ever seen it. And up until that point, there might have been maybe four or five people I'd seen there. Sometimes there'd be more associates than, than customers. So it's not surprising that they shut down. It's just a little sad. And the location of the Microsoft store actually used to be the, the Sega Arcade in the early 2000s. So it's almost like that place is, is uh, tainted or some evil spirits hanging out there. I would love to be able to get in the store and maybe get some <laughs> some signs or something from the Microsoft store because I'm sure all that shit's going in the trash. But it'd be cool to have a little piece of history from it. I know I still have my, my T-shirt and my, my bag from when the store opened. Um, but it's just sad to, sad to see that, especially the main reason behind, um, you know, the, the fact that stuff's moving online and everyone's kind of going the digital route and they weren't the cheapest ever. It, they were actually pretty expensive. It was almost cheaper to buy online. I didn't, never understood that, that process. It was like, you know, this game's $60, but right now I could buy it on Amazon for 20 bucks. But it had been fun for the new consoles to maybe go out to that Microsoft store. Because the Microsoft store opened after the Xbox One had, had happened. So it had been cool to see some sort of event they would have done for the new Xbox there. But uh, that's history now. And I most likely will be getting my new Xbox in the mail versus, you know, waiting out at a store. Which is uh, always a much better experience because you're waiting in line with people and it's exciting and you talk about it. and It's just fun. Versus opening a box it, it comes, you know, it gets set on your doorstep. Uh, let's see. The second piece of news here. It's um, about the pricing for the new Xbox. Uh, these are leaks, but they're pretty well-timed leaks because it seems like anytime PlayStation announces something or has some good steam behind them, uh, Microsoft has a, quote, leak. Um but essentially what it is, this is coming from a quote from um, um, an article I was reading. It's uh, that Anaconda is the eternal Microsoft code name for the Xbox Series X, while Project Scarlet is, was the, or is the code name for their overarching plans for, for the entirety of the next console generation. So it looks like there's going to be a family of consoles. Um, one is going to be half-priced. Half and that code name for that one's Lockhart. So you have two Xboxes possibly at launch. One called Anaconda and one called Lockhart. I think back in December too, that was confirmed by Xbox. So I'm kind of kind of interested to see what what the difference is. I'm guessing the Lockhart's going to be a much smaller console, and maybe even some streaming like you had with Stadia, because uh, I know Xbox is pretty big with their cloud cloud computing. So. I know the specs are putting it somewhere like a 1080p and some slower frame rates, but I'm wondering if it'll be part of their cloud computing and it will keep up with the the Project Anaconda, um, which is, oddly enough, sounds like a penis. Uh, very phallic-sounding. <laughs> phallic um, 
so I don't know if you could stream off that thing and keep up or the fact that it'll be slower. I know some of the, the developers, I think which is how this got leaked, the developers mentioned they had given them a, a sh- hardware-wise, a shittier version, and they were calling it Lockhart, and to see how well their games run on it. So I don't know if it includes streaming or if this is actual hardware, and it'll just be the same games, just at 1080p or a shittier frame rate. But at half half price, I don't understand how PlayStation could even compete with that. $200. Um, which uh, would... People that don't have console, the people that don't want all the consoles are people that, you know, just want a game and want the best deal, like your casual gamers or your parents. They're going to see that $200 price tag on the new console versus, you know, four or $500. They'll definitely be picking that over the PlayStation. So if... I'm sure PlayStation's pretty worried about that because it doesn't matter because if third third party's going in, going to everything it uh it doesn't it doesn't matter what they're buying cuz you know if they're only playing Fortnite of course they're going to grab the thing that's half the price um I think we'll see more in the July event I'm excited to see what happens in July and to see an actual price point and um be interesting to see how different um Lockhart looks compared to the Anaconda or the Series X, Xbox Series X. I can't keep up with these names. Um, let's see. So I, I think pricing-wise, we could see $200 for the smaller version and $400 for the actual console, which would be insane. I don't see PlayStation really competing with that too much. And if you look at the history of console releases... That price, that price, that that launch price is usually a deciding factor on who wins that console war. Uh, RGT eighty five's got a great video on discussing it. That's where I got most of my information, and several articles I recommend reading. They'll be much more knowledgeable than I than I am, and probably explain stuff a little bit uh, a lot better than me. <laughs> so, uh, but it seems like it's going to be. They might even call it uh, like the S model for the. They might bring back that S for um, Lockhart. You know, Xbox Series X S. I don't. These names are getting ridiculous. But RG RGT eighty five brought up a good point that maybe the Xbox One X S, Xbox One S. Jesus Christ. Uh, was a test run for this to see how the market does because he said mentioned which i think he's correct that you know releasing that console was kind of dumb the xbox one was a dying console and you know they just wanted to to do it just to test and to see test the waters which on their point that i think is pretty smart at the time i was like why would they do this but uh, i think he's correct um actually is that yeah, that's all the Microsoft news. So there's only four four news. News. Unfortunately, three of the four is about physical media. Number four, and last one here before I wrap up, is uh, GameStop uh, Q1 2020 earnings calls. I had not I had not noticed some crazy shit was going down at GameStop till uh, Fantavision. Uh, which used to do, I think originally watched him on Craigslist Game Finds back in the day. Um, had did a video, a couple videos on their new Q1 earnings call. And there's a great article on uh, 
a website called Mot- Motley Fool, I think, but not not a lot of people reporting on it. Um, essentially, the investors had promoted these two guys. Um, had promoted these two guys into the the board, and initially, there's thought these guys were short-term investors, but they're they've been invested since 2011 and been waiting to be able to to make actual change at GameStop. Um, I don't know a lot about investing or finances, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best here. And there's once again, there's a lot more knowledgeable people out there if you want to get some more info on it. But uh, their plan, their plan is uh, rightfully named Restore GameStop, which I think is uh, fantastic. Operation Restore GameStop. Um, I try to break it down into points here. And I think all this stuff's kind of common sense. It's all stuff we've seen memes about or people make fun of GameStop for, which they're kind of asking for more trade value. So when you take a game into the store, they want to give you more money for it. And two, with talking to GameStop managers, it seems like there's going to be more focus on um, valued titles like Call of Duties or, you know, Mario. It's different stuff like that. Versus, you know, buying everything, which I think will be really smart for them to do that. Um, and then another focus, too, is them needing more used games. GameStop's entire model is based on used games. That's their highest pri- uh, profit margin. You know, if they sell a new game, they're making maybe 5 bucks. But if they sell a used game, they're making 30 40 bucks. Because I think we're even right now, it's in-store credit for like a $50 game is like $20. So they're making 30 bucks off that versus the $5. And as there's more and more push to digital, which I think last September we saw the first time a the new Borderlands that sold more digital than physical, which is insane. I mean, I, when I was a senior in high school, that was unheard of. That was ridiculous, and that doesn't even feel that long ago. But, but now we're here, and I think GameStop's kind of sitting... Uh, sitting around waiting to die is how it, how it feels. Um, and the next one, which I think is a, a great great point for them, especially if you follow the GameStop manager Reddit. Um, I think it's just GameStop on the Reddit, but um, it mainly seems to be employees for GameStop in the store level. They seem to punish people a lot if you're not doing what you're supposed to, but never rewarding. So these guys want to be able to reward the managers more, which I think is going to put a big drive behind them, you know, selling more games for them or giving them a reason to come into work and to feel appreciated versus, you know, them telling them they're going to be watching them on cameras and some Orwellian shit. Um, The next point, they want to continue the gaming hub model, which I think one of our earlier episodes we talked about how GameStop was changing their model to more of a hangout scene. Uh, so they want to continue that. I think that's a great idea. It's time to chill out on the pop figures and all their weird-ass merchandise that they filled this, these tiny stores with. And um, something else, too. They want to just, generally speaking, I think this is kind of just goes, goes over the whole aspect of it. They want to change uh, GameStop's reputation. For some reason, I don't, I don't think it's very rightful, but GameStop has a really bad reputation. Um, I've, geez, man, I've been 
shopping at let's see i started software etc eb games like you know in the late 90s to now i was just in a GameStop yesterday so what is that 22 years maybe even before that i was going in there but out of my memory 22 years of going to those stores i, I went to GameStop before it was even known as GameStop. so i don't think they deserve the shit they get Especially because I, people bring in absolute trash in there and expect them to give them, you know, full price. Their business, they have to operate at some some level. So I think it's a good idea to rebuild the reputation, but economically, I don't know how you would do that without, you know, what are you going to do? Give everybody insane amount of money for their, you know, bad games. And mom and pop video game stores seems to be doing decent, but that's because they. They operate at all level of every console. So I think GameStop needs to start accepting all retro games. And to almost take on that model. Because people with new games are going to just focus on digital. And ultimately, you know, that's not... You can't survive as GameStop when you're focusing on new games solely. And 60% of the sales are digital versus, you know... As, you know, 2012, you might have had 3 or 4 or 5% digital so if they take on that more aspect because even yesterday i was looking for vita games and i had called a gamestop and he said something that retro i'd recommend he gave me a mom and pop store he said go there and i felt really that's the console came out in 2011 and he called it retro but i guess you know that's the point of getting old that this stuff that i was when i was a senior came out that's now he called it retro it made me feel really old but then that was just literally GameStop telling me to go to a, what what is a competitor to find something because they don't offer it. So I wish there had been more focus on in the in their um, earnings call. I wish there had been more focus on on uh, you know the retro because if you truly want a hangout place, you're going to have to have that retro in there. So I hope there's more push for that and they start taking trade-ins on. All, all video game systems, not just 360 and up. Um, then I think they eventually, the final thing they left it off of in their uh, earnings call, which is probably the most awkward one, because they're kind of calling each other out in, these, in, this, uh, in this board, is the fact that executives are overpaid. Which kind of makes sense. They're closing stores and laying people off and, you know, lowering um the overall experience at GameStop. Meanwhile, these guys are making million-dollar bonuses. So I get it. I know executives have really hard jobs, and, um, you know, I'm a capitalist, so, and I love capitalism, so I think they definitely deserve to be paid a good, a good sum. But at the same time, bonuses are for when the company's doing well or, you know, they're succeeding in different different aspects. And as far as I can tell, GameStop's not exceeding, so... Um, I don't think they they deserve bonuses or pay raises, and I think too Fanta had mentioned they have a private jet for the executives to to fly. Um, but so you're you're firing people and your company's kind of sinking, and you guys are flying private jets. It's not it's not a good sign. But yeah, so I think that's it news wise and pickup wise, and um. And Casey's also releasing a video with this as well, so make sure you listen to both of them. And we might have also talked about some of the same stuff, but uh, I'm sure Casey's was a, a lot smoother than mine. But yeah, just uh, we have a Twitter, 
an email. We got a whole bunch of things you could find us at uh, with questions, comments, different things or corrections. Um, I'm sure there's probably some corrections in here for me. But uh, yeah, so go follow us on that stuff and just let us know if I, I fucked up somewhere <laughs> along the lines. Bye.